Hello, welcome to this week's edition of the Pinkin.com Norwich City podcast. Uh, we apologise for the music in the background, as usual, we are at our services, but as it's Queen, I think we can get away with it. The great Queen, uh, a bit of Radio Gaga, even more relevant as we're recording a podcast-ish. Adamida, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very good, Tony. Uh, unfortunately, that wasn't what we were singing, as uh, we are coming to you in the wake of a 4-0 defeat at Manchester United, but we're going to try... Try, try, desperately try to avoid doom and gloom because, frankly, uh, going to Manchester United didn't have a massive bearing on whether Norwich are getting relegated or not. We all knew that the home game against Bournemouth next Saturday... Hold on, did you hear what you just said then, Dave? (laughs) I presume it was something dark. We already know... They are getting relegated. (laughs) (laughs) I told you, we're we're trying to stay positive, Tony. yeah, the, the home game against Bournemouth, of course, is, is a much bigger deal. Anything that they got from today was a big bonus and potentially provided a bit of a spark. But it hasn't come. They've lost 4-0, so we will try not to wallow too much. I am Dave Freezer, your usual host, and I am alongside, as ever, well, Tony this week because he's about to turn up <laughs> uh, after missing the Preston game last yeah, week. Yeah, he does the glory games. Like, he didn't fancy Preston away, but he was, was, he was here for United away. It was worth it this week, I've got to say. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I did miss the... One win in 17. Uh, no, no, that's Premier League wins in 17. Yeah. One in eight. Yeah. yeah. Well, two wins in 18, isn't it? Including Preston. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yes, Paddy Davitt is here as well, and so is Connor Southwell. Um, let's get your snap thoughts then, boys. How, how are you? Well, I don't want to ask you how you're feeling because, uh, well, we actually just ran into the Radio Norfolk boys here in the Blythe services just off the A1, and we all just had a good wallow, didn't we? And uh, a bit of dark humour, which. Um, it's probably not totally appropriate for the podcast. So, what, um, what was your suggestion, DF, to the Radio Norfolk boys <laughs> to keep the interest going? Should the worst happen? Should the worst happen and they go down? I said, yeah, we should mix it up. That maybe you should do the commentary pad on Radio Norfolk. <laughs> I'll, I'll present Canary Call. Rob can do the Pink and Live updates, uh, etc. You know, we'll mix things around. But uh, I'm not sure we'll quite be able to manage that. That might make things interesting for for <laughs> you guys who consume the Radio Norfolk slash EDP Pink and etc. content. But Football, which is what we're mainly here to talk about. Overall, Pad, uh, just a very forgettable day, I suppose. We won't, we will not remember this day really at all. Well, I mean, the, the stats of Norwich at Old Trafford in many a year, so, apart from the last time they went there, of course, with the Teddy Topo. But I think in that context, this was par for the course today. Unfortunately, sad as that is the state, but. They haven't usually got a lot there in the many recent visits in the Premier League era and so it proved today and it was very dispiriting. Um, One of the few occasions for me that you could accuse them of maybe raising the white flag which is a phrase Farker likes to use in the sense that we'll never do that but I thought there was more than one or two in the Norwich shirt today who thought this is a bit too big for me, I'm not as good as these players, maybe I don't deserve to be on this pitch in this setting. Now, that's harsh words, but that's you know a conclusion you could only draw from watching first half more so. Second half, the game was the game was up after that two goals in two minutes straight after half time more or less. Heavily self-inflicted blows on both occasions from Norwich, um, but it was the first half that because that's where the tone is set. And although it was only one nil, and it could conceivably have been one nil, uh, sorry one one at half time because yeah, De Gea's made a fantastic save to deny Todd Cantwell. That would have been an injustice to United because they were so far better than Norwich in every department. And Norwich's inability to retain possession, inability to supply Adamida with any service, so many facets of that performance smacked of a team who thought maybe we don't deserve to be here. And uh, very rare that you would accuse them of saying that, but I think today 
you could do justifiably because it wasn't really good enough. Obviously, yeah, okay, as you rightly say, Dave, it is Man United. Yeah. Albeit a United still trying to regain their glory years in the Ferguson, but with plenty of attacking threat, notably Marcus Rashford. At Old Trafford, looking to bounce back, as Daniel Farker said, from a midweek League Cup uh, first leg of the semi-final defeat to Man City. They were highly motivated. Yeah, we accept that all as a given, but the disappointing facet for me of this result and performance today was that's not the best Norwich can be. We've all seen them far better than that, individually, collectively. And even if they'd been at their optimum, might not have been good enough, but it certainly wasn't good enough today, not by a long way. Now, it might get a little bit noisier in the background because I think we may have been joined by Colchester United's players on the way back from whichever game they're on. So, uh, if you're wondering what it is... <laughs> the second best team in, <laughs> in uh, East Anglia. Are they part of East Anglia? Uh, ish, yeah. I mean, uh, It's a whole different podcast. Our, our colleagues in Suffolk did used to cover them a bit, didn't they? But, um, yes, uh, let's not go there. Um, <laughs> let's find a little bit of a positive, Connor. Um, I, I thought the away fans did the club kind of proud in the end today because on the back of a 4-0 loss the players looked like they were quite taken back by the reception they got at full time in terms of uh, there was a real good noise it was almost like they took it upon themselves to embarrass the home crowd who'd won 4-0 and the place was almost half empty by the time it had finished we know there's a lot of tourists at Old Trafford and stuff don't we but were you, were you impressed by that reception they gave? Very much so I, I think anyone who's who's followed the club for, for any length of time perhaps uh, knows how good those those supporters are they, they travel up and down the country they um, pay a lot of money to, to watch Norwich and to watch a display like that today and, and still to be in good voice and still to be behind the team I think is a testament to them because uh, it, it certainly wasn't a performance worth shouting about um, to, to say the least I think that we had that Campbell chance didn't we before half time and beyond that Norwich didn't really threaten um, a little flurry of chances towards the end when, when perhaps the game was, was done and dusted yeah. but beyond, beyond that there, there wasn't too much to shout about so yeah you, you've got to say fair play to them for sticking around because it would have been quite easy to head for the exits um, as, as the third and the fourth goal went in um, and, and equally for the support they showed it wasn't um, they weren't angry it, it was very much it was very supportive as you say very positive um, serenaded Daniel Farker as well uh, at the end which I, I think he was shocked at he sort of um, walked away and then sort of came back again, didn't he? So it, it, it was it was nice to see. I think it says a lot about perhaps the expectation levels and perhaps um, the majority of supporters understand the position the club are in at the moment. And as, as Pad said in, in his in his remarks, there, you know, it's, it's not been many occasions that we can accuse them of, of probably lacking effort. I, I think today they, they did slightly after probably the second goal, but at Old Trafford for a team bottom of the league and cut adrift probably who wouldn't realistically um, but uh, yeah a, a lack of effort uh, certainly not been the case this season I think fundamentally it is a lack of quality and we've got, we've got to say as well Manchester United were brilliant today I thought and um, they, they probably stifled Norwich pretty well I, I think it probably was a combination of them being good and, and Norwich being um, quite poor um, but yeah the supporters are brilliant but, but you expect no else from, from, from those I don't think yeah, I just thought they were outclassed, and particularly once the rain was pouring as well, once they were 2-0 down, they're very quickly 3-0 in, what, the 54th minute then. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's difficult for any group of players to really keep going, but, um, yeah. Old Trafford overall, Tony, what did you make of it as sort of a... Uh, uh, <laughs> Why is he smiling? Why, well, soon find out. <laughs> what, what did you make of it overall as an experience? I mean, it's always good to go to such a sort of landmark 
huge yeah. stadium. Yeah, I mean, we spoke about it on the way in. It kind of hammered home. It's the same Anfield first game of the season. Yeah. yeah. These are the places that the Norwich fans and, and that we want to visit every now and again because it makes you appreciate the clubs with that aura about them. And like That's a proper football stadium. Um, no disrespect to your Burnleys and your uh, Wiggins or whatever. <laughs> Maybe Wiggins. Um, but yeah, you, you walk up to it and you can feel the history seeping out of the, the brickwork, can't you? Yeah, quite a bit. There's your podcast title. <laughs> um, but yeah, but that wasn't irreverent enough. I need something better. <laughs> but actually, it was strange inside watching the game. It, it didn't feel like a traditional match. Like Maybe it's because Norwich's quality wasn't matched. Like they weren't matching them. It was a bit of a training game. But the atmosphere felt a bit flat. It felt like we were watching it from the inside you, you couldn't really feel the cold and the wet how you do it well with respect to Burnley those grounds that's when you feel like you're kind of in and um, amongst it but this is a bit more of a pleasurable experience I'd say yeah. from, popular result yeah from a working perspective it's top notch um, so yeah next stop New Camp is it next stop is Turf Moor Turf after Moore. the yeah. other side uh, Hopefully no Burnley fans listen to this. Thing. Well, we had, we had quite a nice day at Turf Moor in the end, didn't we? The start of the season, apart yeah. from the result, again, 2-0. Yeah. Is it the peaks or the... What do you see in the background, the hills? hills. Yeah. yeah. don't think we'll be seeing as much of them in January, though, I'll be honest. Yeah. <laughs> Northern Hills, I think they're called. Um, but that was a sunny day, wasn't it, when all the fans were sat outside the cricket club, and it was it was quite an enjoyable afternoon, wasn't it? I but anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll worry about that when it gets around. Um, before we get stuck into the rest of it, um, let's have a little bit of Christoph Zimmerman, who I spoke to after the game, and you know, being the intelligent sort that he is, he did manage to, to speak very well on it. So here's a little bit of what Zimbo had to say. Well, Christoph, firstly, um, how was the dressing room? How did you sort of deal with that one? Because it's a tough day, but you always knew it could be a tough day, I suppose. Well, it was quiet. Um, and I think everybody realised that today... Um, we deserve to lose because when, in every topic um, we were second best. Um, Man, Man United was just uh, over 90 minutes the better side in each and every detail. And um, I think we realised that quite quickly also after after the final whistle then and therefore, um, yeah, we obviously we weren't we weren't happy um, with what we've done today. We know we can do better and we have to do better. But um, yeah, today is yeah it's a tough one to take. But De Gea obviously makes a brilliant save from Todd just before half-time. So if he hadn't have done that, you had shown a, bit, a decent bit of fight in the first half. I, I think in the first half, um, we know we didn't play well. We didn't, it didn't really look like our football. Man, Man United was actually playing what we wanted to play. And to be fair, that's also understandable given the club they are, given the players that they've got. But um, yeah, that was more or less what, what normally um, our football should look like. Okay. Um, still, even though we didn't play our game and we didn't uh, get to play the way we wanted to, we were just down one goal and as you said, uh, we got a good chance, a really, really big chance before half-time to probably equalise and then even though we had a poor first half, we could be sitting there and the rest of would draw. Um, also, being just one goal down isn't too bad, but then the first 10 minutes of the second half killed us. You can see it's uh, two goals way too easily, and yeah, then being three 0 down, it's uh, a long afternoon. Yeah, what was your view of the penalty? Do you feel like Tim was judged a little bit hard? Um, I think, uh, well, obviously they've got 
quick players. And Tim slides out. So he's he's trying to because he sees he's he's not going to be first at the ball. I think he's trying to get his hands away and his body out of the way. But I think just because the pitch is wet, he couldn't couldn't really get away there anymore. And well, I I guess then that there was contact. Um, and yeah, that's the way. Uh, I think I think he would probably just misjudge the ball. But also to be fair to him. Uh, we didn't track uh, track Williams in that situation, so we also put him in that situation um, that's difficult to handle. Like the reception from the away fans sort of took you all back a little bit. You were almost surprised by how strong their support was at the end. That seemed like it was quite a big moment at the end. Um, I was, to be fair, I was um, very, very happy to see um, how well our supporters have taken it because not just for us but also for them, it's been a rough afternoon uh, today. And I was, I was surprised how positive they were, and um, I think. Probably they, they appreciated that um, we tried to keep going and we tried to go for a goal and score and to give them something to cheer about. Uh, probably they appreciated that and they also can judge that in those games away from home at, at the Trafford that Man United will always be the favourite. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm very grateful for the support that we've got that was excellent um, and the reaction was uh, yeah, nice to see. Probably the best thing about today. From true crime to football, Brexit to folklore. For more great podcasts from Archant, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archant. Yes, that's what Christoph Zimmerman had to say in the bowels of Old Trafford after that uh, 4-0 defeat. Now, we're not going to go through all the goals for you because we think you're probably not going to need that. I'm sure you've all seen them by this point. Um, We can kind of sort of brush this one off. So, a little bit of housekeeping before we crack on. We've got some questions from you guys on the pink and Twitter. Um, Just a a little bit of news for the pod, actually. Good news, which hopefully you guys have seen on social media. We've been nominated for the Best Sport Podcast at the Publisher Podcast Awards. um, And we are up against some um, esteemed competition uh, I had to check who some of these guys were but uh, TWA Teams uh, One Street which is a podcast that covers Dundee and Dundee United so a Scottish football podcast um, The History of the Heavyweight Championship by Steve Bunce for Yahoo Sport uh, The Spin by The Guardian which is their cricket podcast and The Lead by The Athletic which I believe is focused mainly on American sports um, so the Publisher Podcast Awards I think are sort of transatlantic there are various categories where um, I know there's a, another one from our company Arch and uh, Weird Norfolk if you've never come across Weird Norfolk before they're nominated as well as is the New European as well actually um, but let's not go there and um, <laughs> they are up against some competition from America so um, yeah that'll be later in the year we're looking forward to that I'm really uh, pleased to be nominated and thank you very much for listening and sort of helping us to get to um, that kind of a point Tony's pointing as you've just mentioned those podcasts do you reckon we need to listen to their podcast to see if they mentioned us I've, I've got no desire to listen to a Dundee United <laughs> podcast though, I'll be honest with you yeah, I haven't got the spirit for that right now but, um, well, we've, got, we'll see. we've got a couple of hours to get home the boxing one sounds good and I don't mind cricket when it, when it's focused on England test stuff but that's about it for me really with cricket um, so yes thank you very much for your uh, for listening and helping us to uh, sort of reach that point with the podcast we, we'll continue to work hard and hopefully there won't always be music in the background but uh, <laughs> we'll, um, it sort of depends where we end up stop, stopping on our way home from games at the moment um, as ever if you, if you don't already subscribe then please do um, we've had a few nice reviews and ratings through recently as well so um, if you ever get a chance to leave them um, on your chosen podcast provider that's always very much appreciated and if you'd like to advertise on the show as well then please do get in contact with us uh, you can email matt.withers which is w-i-t-h-e-r-s at archon.co.uk and if you ever want to get in touch with us uh, you know where we are on social media and you can email 
thepinkin at archon.co.uk. So that is enough of housekeeping. That's that one done. Let's get back um, talking on social media. Um, you've got some questions for us, haven't you, Connor, which have come from, um, from Norwich fans. Yeah, I certainly do. The first one is from Ben on Twitter. He says, uh, do you think uh, they should focus on the FA Cup now? Would be great for fans, uh, given the Premier League seems a step too far for the team at the moment. Okay, Paddy, I'll let you go with that one. Well, we kind of discussed that, didn't we, in the car on the first leg home from Old Trafford. I think that's a good shout. Um, in no way is that a kind of see you later Premier League. We hope to be back in 12 months or whatever length of time. But I certainly think they could start to think a bit more twin track approach. And Burnley is a winnable tie. We've been talking about Burnley because they clearly have a better chance of staying up and might prioritise the Premier League and that might be reflected in their lineup at Turf Moor in a couple of weeks' time. So not an easy place to go, but inconceivable. Norwich get a positive result and then a couple of favourable draws and before you know it, you're on the threshold of the last eight or even better. So it's been done down, down the recent years. You know, who would have, who would have fancied Wigan to go all the way? So, um, you know, it can be done. It doesn't tend to happen too often now to break that cartel of the big clubs. But... Um, Norwich are a Premier League club so they should have aspirations and what you would say is Daniel Farker and he showed it again albeit he made the eight changes at Preston but either aside you know a lot of lads who came in are established senior players who have been in and around the Premier League squads so nobody could ever doubt Daniel Farker's attitude when it comes around to the Cups unlike some of his predecessors so he will definitely go for it at Burnley and uh, yeah I'd agree with Ben I think um, we all know what a great day out that was in the playoff final a few years back and uh, well, to see, well, it won't quite be the same size of allocation obviously for the FA Cup because all the hangers on ju- <laughs> jump in, don't the they? Yeah, but you know, even if it was twenty, twenty-five thousand, I mean, that's one of my abiding images. Uh, having covered this club for ten years or more now, it was, was that forty thousand sea of green and yellow at one end of the ground against Wem- at Wembley that day, amplified because you had this really strong red colour in the other part of the stadium. But you know, the FA Cup increasingly is marginalised but I still think Norwich fans if they got towards the latter stages given their relative lack of success in this competition in recent years made a few semi-finals back in the day I think they'd row firmly in behind it and you were saying DF maybe you want to elaborate on that point that in terms of if it is going to go the way we feel it might go in the Premier League fight and they're back in the Championship it's all about positivity and trying to kick on into the summer and if, you know, if you've had a really long run in the FA Cup who knows, that could act as a little bit of a catalyst. Yeah, that would maintain a bit of momentum, wouldn't yeah. it? And, you know, this week, all the focus is firmly on Bournemouth. You know, hopefully the Carrow Road crowd really get behind them and they can get a win by hook or by crook. And then they at least have got something to keep the season interesting. We don't have to go down this road. But if it's not to happen, if, as is looking quite possible, they're not good enough to stay in, at this level and they need to continue building this project as it is under Stuart Webber and Daniel Farker in the Championship and try and get back at the first attempt, then, you know, if you can push on to the FA Cup, then of course the dream for Norwich fans is to get to the final, isn't it, because the club has never done it. There's three semi-finals, I think I'm right in saying, what, 59, 89, 92, um, never got to the final. So that would be a major, major feather in the cap of Daniel Farker if they could do it. Of, of course we're getting ahead of ourselves. You know, as they lost 2-0 at Burnley. So um, there's no guarantee of that at all. But were they to lose at Bournemouth, and then, of course, there's a midweek game at Tottenham as well, then go hell for leather for it. Try and keep something alive in this season, because if not, it'll be a real slog through to the end. So, right, let's get the questions coming. Uh, <clears throat> next one from Jamie Neve. He said, if Norwich go down, will the club sell? I presume he means players. Yes, he does mean players. Or will they try and keep the players uh, like Todd Campwell, etc., to go again next season? Okay, Connor, do you want to take this one? 
Yeah, I, I think it would it would be incredibly difficult for them to resist selling those those players uh, for, for two reasons, namely because the, their price tags are going to be pretty sizable, I would imagine, given their their young talents, and, and and secondly because you would imagine those players will probably wish to to go and further their careers at. I don't want to say bigger clubs because that sounds slightly disrespectful, but I think you can. I mean, more I, I know, I know fans don't like hearing it, but it's true, isn't it? You know, yeah. like, like Tony was saying, what is it, 76,000 at Old Trafford? That is a bigger club, there's no denying it. Yeah, and I, I mean, there's, there's potential. I keep thinking this to myself now, and it's perhaps not not a positive that, that many Norwich fans want to hear, but there's, there's potential that they've got £100 million worth of assets there. Um, and, and that's not to say they all leave this summer, but. There's certainly enough there to continue what they want to do in terms of recruitment and in terms of facilities and, and improving the, the, the pathway for young players. Um, of course, everyone will, will want to see that reinvested into new talent. Of course, that, that will uh, equally, if, if we are talking about a, a return to the Championship, then there's going to be parachute payments as well. So uh, they may be in a weird situation in the summer where they're actually in a stronger position to do business than, than they were this window, which... Uh, is, is a bit strange but I, I think for any Premier League or for any team that gets relegated from the Premier League it's it's incredibly difficult to hold on to your, to your talent so um, I, I think no doubt there'll be interest I mean we, we've seen I mean Max Aarons for example has been linked to, it feels like to every uh, every top six club in the country and you can chuck Brisha Dortmund on top of that as well and whether they have any sort of substance or not is, is kind of irrelevant it just um, goes to show that, that people are aware of them and that, and that clubs are aware of them as well so I think it would be difficult, to be honest, to keep those players. Yeah, I can't see Pookie and Buendia playing in the Championship next season. I just see that as incredibly unlikely. Um, Aaron's, yeah, looks pretty likely that somebody's going to invest in him. We've got to remember how much he's achieved. He just turned 20, EFL Young Player of the Season last year. England the 21s, pretty much first choice right back. He's sort of um, competing with Rhys James at Chelsea there, isn't he? So Max, Max has progressed at a huge level, and hopefully there's more development to come for him. I mean... If you look talking about anybody who could still be in the squad next summer, I guess uh, next season, if they're back in the championship, you know, that's, we can't talk about it definitively at this stage, then I guess Campwell and Lewis are probably the two you'd be most likely because it would seem from Godfrey's representatives that they're going to be keen to get, keep him in the Premier League. But a lot of water to flow under the bridge yet, isn't there? But there's definitely a big seam of fans out there who don't like to sort of countenance the thought. Of, um, their, of players leaving as if it's like some sort of treachery but that's just, that is football isn't it that players do move on they always have done I think I think it's more difficult with this squad of players because supporters have become so attached to it yeah, after after what happened last season and because like, like say they're in a different situation where I think when they went down last time it was um, well if, if, certainly a few seasons ago when it was Leroy Fair I mean these were players that they didn't have an attachment with that hadn't been affiliated to the club for long and players that were good enough to stay Absolutely. in the Premier League had failed. Absolutely, these are players that have actually come through the system and, and sort of grown with the club as well. And I, I sort of think about a Stuart Webber quote in, in terms of when he talks about players outgrowing the club. I, I think there are probably a few who, who would get to that stage if they went back down, and that's healthy for for any football club. Um, what would be incredibly difficult is, is for Norwich to rebuild because they'd have to find players capable of doing it again in the Championship. And we all know how how difficult that division is, as as what Fulham are finding out this year. And as numerous others have found out in the past. Let's keep that on the back burner for now, because uh, <laughs> if, if things go uh, south, then we're going to have a lot of time to talk about what's going to happen in the Championship next year. So let's let's not go down that avenue too much. Um, next up. Uh, Matt Bradshaw, he says, Sheffield United suggests quality isn't the only factor. What does Daniel Farker and his players uh, need to learn before the end of the season to make sure, he's already, he's already relegated them, to make sure next <laughs> time they stay up? Hmm. Tony, yeah, the, the, the big differences between Norwich and Sheffield United. I mean, 
it, they just seem to be more solid all round, don't they? And, and sort of less flair players, more focus on organisation and yeah. defence. I think history shows those kind of teams maybe only for a season that they'll fly for this season and it works but then the hardest bit for them is the season after that's kind of when if you it's don't second album yeah what, what do they got second season syndrome yeah. isn't but it they're not um, surprised back, uh, package anymore are they in the no. second season but the, the the main thing is when you start bringing in new players they have to fit that system or the the what teams generally do which then messes them up is they try and bring a bit of flair in mm. change the way they play play and water and cookie yeah. yeah. <laughs> well I guess we're talking about Norwich in a way back in the uh, yeah. well not the olden days back in what six seven years <laughs> ago back in 2012 yeah. Yeah. yeah so I mean Sheffield United obviously are going to stay up it'll be interesting what they do in the summer because mm. Wilder's now on a big wedge of money per week I'm sure they'll back him in the summer because um, I'm sure that that was part of his deal to back him yeah. but when you do bring in new players you risk upsetting the players that have got you to that point so he's got to find that balance I wish I could take I could time this perfectly but you don't want to take a sledgehammer <laughs> to the squad interestingly we're talking about Norwich their midfield is, is the main one because a lot of those sort of defensive midfielders central midfielders have kind of shown they're not really taking yeah. the step up so what do they do because they, they've proven they can do it in the championship but do they change change them yeah, in the I, hope that you go up again I think yeah if they were back in the championship you would have to show that you've learned from it I, I, I'm looking at Brighton really you know Brighton may not stay up but look at how solid they are at the back I think the, the big thing is that yeah try and play that attacking football and have that style but you've got to have a stronger backbone and more defensive steel in the squad just to keep yourself in games at times Pad just finally on this question the, the, the contrast between Norwich and Sheffield United how do you see it? No I wouldn't add too much more to what the boys have said yeah spot on um, and Farker actually prior to the Sheffield United game down here a month or so ago um, made the point that drew parallels with teams in Germany at the moment it's easier to come up with that philosophy that it's about organisation and defensive resolve and then just try and tweak that than it was to come up in, with Farker's philosophy which was to try and take these teams on it being better than them technically and proficient across midfield um, because obviously in the championship you would have to say he would disagree but Norwich's prowess with the ball and in the final third with Buendia and Puki and Stiepham and that triangle that did mask a bit of, a bit of the defensive flaws because they still were too easy to penetrate in the championship you go up into the Premier League you know longer is dominant because you're playing against better players essentially better coaches better tactical systems so Norwich's strength in the championship has almost been nullified and what has been exposed and again today unfortunately is, is the defensive flaws in that, in that approach that's what they will have to address if they go back down in terms of recruitment and maybe maybe even Farker's philosophy a little bit maybe we need to be a bit more pragmatic when he comes back up again hopefully he comes back up again but that's a big if because you know as we've seen before with Norwich Alex Neil most recently it's no guarantee and, and I remember uh, my mind keeps going back now to Alex Neil saying he was too loyal to that group of players who went back down again who were essentially the same group of players who got them up via the playoffs and that's definitely a, a, a mistake Norwich can ill afford to repeat you know they will have to be quite ruthless and as Connor touched on in the previous question a lot of the business will be forced on them if, the, if there's interest in their players and it materialises into tangible 
offers that they feel are reasonable to accept and then flowing into that what the player wants and their representatives but I think there's another facet of what Norwich would need to do in the summer and that is and we've touched on it there's there's areas of the squad that there's areas of the team and there's players in that team who aren't really good enough at this level and okay the first port of call will be to rebuild in the championship but if your end game is to get back in the Premier League that work needs to start now and we've seen with Weber and Farker that they are very strategic in how they approach transfer windows and you know that it's like now okay this, this window is open but you can be sure players maybe obviously the, the lad Duda is, is, is likely to come in maybe not so much him because that's only a short term loan but I imagine any permanent deals that happen in January will be with a view to down the track in the championship maybe in the Premier League thereafter and, and that's how the, they have to go and one final thing I'll say on Sheffield is not only is it the second season but the expectation levels will rise now we all saw that season Hewton managed to somehow get Norwich finished in 12th position it almost the start of the following season was well actually benchmark and now they need to push on and that didn't happen and Sheffield United will have the same thing if they finish top 10 this season I think that's actually tougher now for Wilder to try and match that because that'll be incredibly difficult because they're no longer a surprise commodity and teams in the Premier League now will show them the utmost respect and you're starting to see that we drove up on Friday night we listened to the West Ham Sheffield United game and it sounded like West Ham showed them huge respect even matched up with their system mm. and increasingly teams will do that now so I think you know they should enjoy it while they can because I think uh, I think there's tougher days ahead for Sheffield United yeah I can see them really needing a, a big injection of investment if they're going to continue to, to stay where they are but uh, the Mirror the Daily Mirror were reporting that Wilder's contract is worth 50 grand a week so four and a half year contract that's worth over 11 million pounds to him you know even if you get sacked uh, generally you get that money don't you unless you go straight into another club but then so it just shows the amount of money that is in the Premier League um, just on Sheffield United just enjoy it Enjoy yeah. the moment, like Norwich last season. Just yeah. enjoy it while it lasts. Absolutely. Right. We've we got a few more. Uh, yeah, a couple more. One we've one we sort of touched on in terms of signings. Uh, are there likely to be signings um, if we go down, which we've sort of covered, haven't we? Uh, and then one from Leo C Breeze, which sounds like a lovely candle. Uh, they <laughs> said, "Do you think it's time to give Tim Cruel a rest?" Ooh, I don't really see how you can. I mean. No, I mean, I'm I've, I've seen a fair amount of criticism for him today, actually, on, on social media. Yeah, well, let's do, let's go there then. Penalty. Uh, oh, the game is 1-0, 52nd minute. Brandon Williams played down the left by uh, Marcus Rashford, who was superb before Ole Gunnar Solskjaer took him off to protect him because he's sort of their key man. Uh, he's in behind Matt Sarans. Cruel on the wet turf, slides across, takes him out. Um, only There's only minimal amount of contact, and certainly when... When you see the replay, or when I saw the replay, I thought, well, that's a bit of a dive. He's he's made sure that the contact happens. But there was a VAR check as well, wasn't there? But Krull sliding across his box like that gives the officials the opportunity to make a decision. And they stuck with it. The VAR backed the referee, stuck with the penalty. That's 2-0. As we said earlier, within two minutes, it's 3-0. That's game over. So, I mean, I think Krull deserves a little bit more loyalty than that because... He clearly was very good for the majority of last season in a title-winning season and at large stages of this season has been arguably the best player. So for me, no. I mean, it, if he were to have a, a bad game against Bournemouth and Fairman is fully fit, then yeah, maybe it's the, the point where you, you start giving the other players a, a chance. But I don't see that happening, not with the influence he has on the defenders. Yeah, I mean, if that is the case, there's been a, a bit of criticism. I'm trying to think the recent games you know Palace Tottenham was was he was he 
was there any glaring errors that were on, on his watch? I'm not can't can't quite remember. So no, not sure. against Spurs, wasn't it? And the free kick from Ericsson, which took a deflection off yeah. the wall. Well, God, Tete was more culpable on that one because yeah. he didn't jump in the wall. But uh, I mean, if we, we, we're contrasting that with start of last season when he first came in and those ricks against West Brom, the Jay Rodriguez one. Um, there was a miscued was it the whole game at Cairo towards the end of the season where oh, Swansea uh, no it wasn't Swansea wasn't Hull either was it it was a yeah, game it where was, Hull was the 3-2 when it went he, for Alcatraz yeah, okay yeah he, he, he pulled a goal kick but you know I'm going deep into my recesses of Tim Krull's <laughs> career at Norwich to, to find them and, and nothing in the recent past so I don't see that at all at all and Farman from what I've seen of him albeit very limited I don't think he'd be an upgrade on Krull so on the penalty asked Daniel direct after the game and he said if quote Tim was to watch the scene back he wouldn't have come racing off his line because also and he I thought this in real time and he made the point Brandon Williams is nearly by the byline when he pushes it past him so he was going nowhere fast in, a, in terms of dangerous Krull doesn't need to make that challenge but as Daniel said when keepers make their mind up they're going for it it's very hard to put the brakes on then and particularly with the conditions as you rightly say he's already started to slide the lads made the most of it to be fair um, that is an error he is culpable and it was a big error because at 1-0 they're still in the game 2-0 swiftly then becomes 3-0 game over so yeah that was a big error on his part but there's not been too many this season and certainly not enough for me that would warrant even a debate that he should come out and farm and should go in I don't see that at all and uh, the the penalty he did guess the right way as well didn't he um, Rashford only just sort of squeezed it past him he's, he's incredibly good at reading where players are going to put it either that or his homework is, is really top notch because of course he saved two penalties against United in the, in the home game didn't he so. that Rashford that took them that one of them yeah Martial and Rashford in the in the home game so he is a penalty expert to a certain extent I know he didn't save that one but yeah I, I think that would be harsh and I don't see Daniel Falker doing that uh, at all um, I think we sort of answered that fully Connor so I'll, I'll put one to you for us to uh, wrap up really um, Adam Eder um, of course that he was sort of the story ahead of this wasn't he in terms of um, its first Premier League start obviously a, a big occasion for him there was no pressure on him no expectation and overall his day I mean I, I guess he just takes uh, plenty of lessons from it doesn't it yeah absolutely I, I think what I would say I, I think if Norwich had Timmy Buki up front I don't think he'd have done a lot better no, given, given, agree, the, yeah. given the service that, that, Ida, that Ida had today um, in, in terms of who he's up against as well Harry Maguire and, and, and Victor Lindelof these, these are players who have played uh, internationally so yeah absolutely a, a lesson for him um, and, and one he just has to has to learn from because ultimately um, there were, there were a couple of really nice touches uh, where it was just good centre forward player he got his body in between the defender and the ball and just set it off but, but it, these were only on, on two occasions I can think of off the top of my head um, look he's still got a long way to go I think the, the hat trick at Preston might have um, might have pulled the wall over a few people's eyes, but he's he's nowhere near what he what he could be. Um, I, I think even last week we were just arriving, his materials as raw. I think we, we saw that today that, that he's still a long way off where they need him to be. But equally, uh, probably didn't have the service or the support. He was quite isolated a lot, particularly in that first half. Um, and, and then to be honest, I, I think Farker replaced him probably more out of protection because if you're a young player making your first Premier League start, do you really want to do that? At, Old Trafford, when your team's getting a thrash in, I, I don't think so because it can also go the other way and affect his confidence, and, and that's that's not what you want. But yeah, I, I mean, as you say, no expectation. Um, he would have learnt stuff for it. It's only a, a positive experience for him to to store and, and, and to use. And um, I suppose whether whether we see him next week or whether we see him in, in short bursts for the rest of the season or whether he goes out on loan, 
um, his development is, is the main priority. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't think he did too much wrong. I, I, I did feel kind of for him because that obviously didn't transpire in the way that he would have hoped. But, I mean, such an occasion for him to, to even be on the pitch in the first place. So he needs to take credit for it and, and he needs to um, take positives out of it and learn from it. Absolutely. Right, I think that'll just about do us. We've still got two and a half, three hours ahead of us on the road uh, late on Saturday night. Uh, hopefully it stopped raining because it's rained pretty much solidly from Manchester uh, across the M62 to uh, where we are now. We're near, where are we, near Don Doncaster? Live, mate. Live, still. Yeah, I think yeah. I think that's near Doncaster. Okay, <laughs> I'm not 100% to be honest. Uh, we just went past the exit past for Scunthorpe, yeah, so yeah. I think we're, uh, we're in that sort of area. Who knows? Um, Works up, Nottinghamshire. There you go. There we go. What's your treat, Dave, for finishing the podcast? Tell the listeners. Oh, Tony's been uh, teasing us uh, while we've been recording with some four cheese and onion M&S full-on flavour crisps. So I'm looking Feet forward flavored. to having a... <laughs> yeah. Um, we smell a car. Right. Let's make a move, boys. Thank you very much for listening. Um, do If you don't uh, already have the Pinkin app, then that's uh, well worth downloading. It's free. And on Sunday, you get treated to Paddy's Sunday brunch yeah. where Pad goes through I don't the... Make, um, I don't make any dinner or food. I want to put that on record. If for anybody who doesn't know what Sunday brunch is, but it's you not, go, not me cooking. You've had two, two days' worth of food today so yeah, no yeah. food tomorrow <laughs> don't judge me by your standards my friend <laughs> but you will go through the Sunday newspapers won't you and, uh, and pick this one apart a little bit so that's well worth having to listen to rice crispies of pads yeah, rice crispies yeah. of pad. and uh, equally uh, Andre Duda um, the potential for him coming in on loan from Hertha Berlin so um, do check out pinkman.com to see the latest on that and we'll have uh, we'll have lots more for you on the transfer front before the end of January it's been a busy old start to the, uh, the month already but for now um, we're going to hit the road thank you very much for listening we will catch up with you very soon